episode of uh, Fry Your Greens. Hello, Callum. It is another episode, isn't it? Where does the time go? Hello, Adam. <laughs> uh, how are we? I'm well. I'm glad to be back for, an, for another exciting instalment. We should go... Should we, should we move on to the films? Yeah. So we dip, we're dipping our tongue this week into the, the coming-of-age drama. Isn't it toe? I said toe. I said toe. I thought you said, I said toe. Dipping our Jesus. toe. Well, we'll, we'll be able to find <laughs> out. We, we've got it recorded. We will. No, but we'll of be course. dipping our toes into the coming of age drama this week. <laughs> um, looking at 1991's Boys in the Hood and uh, 2017's Ladybird. Anything you want to say, Callum? <laughs> um. No, I, I I think this is a a, a really good um, uh, pairing uh, in uh, quite a lot of different ways. Um, we'll start um, as we almost always do with the uh, the earliest one. So, Boys in the Hood, as you say, from nineteen ninety one, um, written and directed by John Singleton, which was his uh, directorial debut. Um, it follows. Uh, Trey Styles, who is played by um, Cuba Gooding Jr., um, who is sent to live with his father, Furious Styles, which is a phenomenal name, uh, played by Lawrence Fishburne, uh, in uh, sort of South Central Los Angeles. Um, and it uh, kind of tracks his life, really, over um, seven years. The sort of first uh, half of the film um, is when he is uh, 10. I think he's 10, and then the second half is when uh, he is 17, along with um, all of his other friends and acquaintances. Um, Mr. Fry, as as I always uh, ask, had you seen this film before? I haven't, no, uh, as I always answer, it seems. Um, no, I haven't seen this one before. Um, I don't know what I expected. I knew it was... Um, it's one of those films that you've heard about, isn't it? It's... Mm. Um, I think it's, it's, it was, I, I was reading, I think I've known for, known it because for a long time I know that it was the, Joel, uh, John Singleton was the youngest um, ever nomination for uh, an Academy Award for directing, I think. That sounds about right. Uh, but no, I, I, I hadn't watched this, but I assume you had. I had, yes. Um, I watched it when I was um, a young man, and I can't quite remember how old I was, um, because all of the time is blending into one. Um, but yes, um, we'll start with, with, with you. What did you, uh, what did you make of it? Was it worthy of the uh, critical acclaim that it regularly receives? I think it really was, yeah. I think I went into it, I was immediately gripped. Because just the the thing is, with a coming of age drama, I don't think you can go too wrong. Because it's just got to, if you can hit those notes, um, then it's already on track to be quite compelling to the watcher, I think. And mm -hmm. the what this film does well is it hits those notes, but it hits them because you know, kind of know where that story's going to go. You kind of have mm -hmm. that impression. Um, so the, uh, I think a good, what a good coming-of-age drama actually does is make you invest in, in the characters yeah. rather than the plot. And I think um, Boys in the Hood is well-acted enough that the characters are very compelling and the characters are interesting enough. And all of them, it's not just the main, the lead character, all of the characters I found very compelling. Mm -hmm. And yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I, I've got no qualms against it. And that jumped to mind. What about yourself? Um, yeah, no, I, I, I really, really like this film. Um, you, you talk about the characters and, um, I have spoken, um, about kind of how certain films uh, immediately establish 
um, their characters. Of course, in the Lost episode, we talked about the Breakfast Club, um, and that is kind of the primest example of how to establish who a character is and how they're going to behave in maybe 20 seconds of seeing the character. Um, within 20 seconds of uh, seeing Trey, he, he makes two quips that are kind of slightly funny. Um, you know, everyone says pilgrims and he says penguins. Um, and then he's suddenly up at the front of the class and he's, uh, you know, uh, teaching. Um, and you're just immediately rooting for him. It's such a good mm. way of doing it, I think. And I, I wonder if, certainly from my point of view, like the fact that he's in, immediately funny. Like, I think yeah. I value humour an awful lot in terms of, like, the way I perceive people. Like, I, I, you know, if you're funny, like, that's kind of, you're all right with me, son. Um, well, and, you know, he's he's just really, like, a really, really good and, you know, a, I a think quick, that, simple way of doing it. Yeah. Well, that initial um, interaction you see of him, I think is... Um, that has the double impact, it makes you like him, but also it basically establishes what he needs to overcome to become an adult. He's mm-hmm. the the um, the immediate reaction in starting that fight is basically what he spends the rest of the film as a character one trying to overcome that need for revenge and that cycle of violence. And it ooh, and then mm-hmm. it, by the end of the film he obviously does. I think it's yeah, it's it's not just a film that establishes um, the characters very quickly, but it establishes their role and what their general direction is. Because mm. uh, you get that same the same is with uh, Doughboy, who I think is played by Ice Cube. Um, Furious Styles offers him uh, the him and uh, Little Chris the uh, a chance to rake rake the his his um lawn for for five dollars and mm. you know, they they say why would i do that i can get i can make money in crime much easier and then uh, you get ricky he comes out and he's he's his character's established very quickly he's wearing his football shirt and you know he basically doesn't want to be part of his life he's shy he's nervous he's with his mum but here he is and i think all of these, you don't just. It's not just establishing the characters quickly. It's establishing where that, because it's not just a coming of age film for Trey. I don't think you get a kind of that effect with a lot of the characters, and it's where they they need to go. They gives you an idea of the direction of where their their arcs are going. I think. Yeah, it's a very good point, and I think. One of the things as well that I'll say is that I've I've previously criticised films that do the kind of very shorthand, these are what these characters are. This film does that. But instead of just leaving those characters as what they are, it then develops it. So obviously over, you know, the, the seven years thing, and I don't know what you thought about the kind of the, the kind of part one, part two aspect of it. I think it's so good in terms of, you know, there are these, you know, you, you see... Um, you know, Trey and Doughboy and all of them talking when they're 10 and there's this violence just going on around them. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's very, very, you know, like it's right in their face. Um, like when they, they find the dead body and things like that. Um, and then they, they sort of speak to and kind of interact with these older kids. Um, and then when they're older, you see these other little kids running around and, the film doesn't explicitly do it, but it does kind of just, it shows you like, this is going to go on and on. And like, this is a cycle and it's not going to stop happening basically. Um, and there, you know, a couple of times you see just like these kids running across the, the screen or the shot. And it's like, that could have been, that, that was them. That was literally them seven years ago. And it, it kind of just reinforces that, um, that idea um but you know going back to the characters um it's just like really 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 good in terms of you know showing the kind of decisions that they're going to make because it's kind of the only one they can make and 
um, you know, I'm sure we, we can get on to uh, the sort of current um, climate of um, racial injustice in America. Like the idea that this never changes, like this film was made in 1991. It could have been made in 1931 and it will you know, well, let's hope that it can't be made in 2031, but like, I'm betting it probably would be, <laughs> and it will be no less uh, timeless, sadly. Mm. Um, it is an incredibly uh, emotionally powerful film. Um, I think throughout, to be honest, like I was... Because you're, you're so great by the characters, and you kind of you are rooting for all of those, each of those characters. There's no um, character that which, you're meant to be rooting for that is dislikable. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it just so. It, I mean, let's let's kind of get into it. So uh, initially, one one thing I found was <laughs> that immediately made me laugh was the kid uh, flipping off the Reagan Bush poster. <laughs> um, <laughs> that genuinely made me chuckle. Um, but the, um, the, the bit when, uh, Trey's teacher, um, asks if, uh, if his mother is educated, um, it, that kind of sort of casual racism that's sort of just dropped in there and it's not like made a, a massive thing, but I think it's, it's, is it Angela Bassett, I think, who, who plays Trey's yes, mum. Yeah, yeah. She Stiles. is... Yeah, she is wonderful. Like, she's so good whenever she's on the screen. Um, and she kind of, the way she just kind of deals with it, and it, there's a kind of, you can see, you can hear in her tone of voice, like, I've been asked this a thousand times, and I'm going to keep being asked this because I'm black, basically. Um, and there's also a bit at the end and we you're towards the end of the film when when she talks about uh, mothers um and you know what mothers have been doing uh and and how they've sort of had to raise their sons and things like that it's incredibly incredibly sort of prescient powerful stuff um but yeah i mean uh, the, the film sort of spreads itself across a of a, a, a huge range of topics actually um you know it talks about masculinity it talks about sort of sexuality it talks about um uh, you know police brutality it talks about the schooling system it talks about crime it talks about the economy but i never felt as though it kind of skimped over any of those things no, no. it it was just like really really good at kind of exploring each individual topic i don't know what you thought about those i think yeah i was gonna it, it what it does is it kind of because it does i don't think the film ever goes into those topics it just shows how all of these things affect the lives of the characters so mm. the economy and it's it's never there's no like sit down explanation of how the economy is affecting black people like that there is actually one part but let's, let's ignore that and furious <laughs> yeah. styles stands at billboard but it is showing how it's affect it affects the characters lives and schooling is the same and you know sexuality is the same and there's no like sit down discussion about these things it just and the best way to show and explore these topics which i think lots of films miss out on is just to not in your do it in your face, but just to you know let your characters live in a world where that where it's clear these topics exist and these themes matter, and have those and characters go all, through the yeah yeah, and are all interlinked as well. I think, mm. and you know that is obviously again kind of goes completely unsaid. But you know the fact that the economy is is not very good, and and there's a um a comment that um. Furious makes about um, what? Why do you? What, why is there a gun store on every street corner, and why is there a liquor store on every street corner? And it's like, it, and then it kind of he kind of goes into the fact that like you know everything is there to keep us down, basically. Um, I thought. Uh, I mean, it even talks about like you know uh, like the army and, and things like that. Um, mm. 
it, it just sort of allows the, the 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 viewer to kind of like you've kind of got to put two and two together. But if you can, and most people should, it kind of all like really makes sense. Um, I thought it was tremendous. Um, have you seen uh, Moonlight? No, I've been meaning to. <laughs> well, I would listen. I would. I would wholeheartedly uh, uh, recommend Moonlight. Um, Moonlight is was twenty sixteen. It was Barry Jenkins, um, and that is um, very much another coming of age drama. Um, and again, I won't go into it because I, I, I would like to do that on 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 the pod as well. Um, I. But that's I think, done in um, three parts. Oh, go on. A question I'm going to ask you at the end, I think, but I will mention now. Um, so we can dip our toes into it. Do you think the coming-of-age drama is uniquely equipped to delve into a more myriad of themes? Ooh, that's a very good question. Um... I think it is because generally with a coming of age drama, you're the characters are experiencing it all for the first time. So you, you kind of have a brand new set of eyes on it and that allows you to uh, kind of reassess number one, the first time you experienced that. Um, Cause all of these kind of uh, you know, all of these themes, I mean, you know, talk about like school and love, you know, your first love and, you know, your parents and stuff like you, everybody has had those experiences in obviously, you know, vastly different circumstances. Um, but I think it does allow you to kind of go into that. And also because it, it you're never going to deviate a huge amount, are you, from the mm. kind of this is somebody who's growing up. And that, therefore, like, that's kind of set aside and, and that structure is very much there. And, like, it's not moving. <laughs> like, that's kind of how the film's going to go. But I think it does then allow you that kind of, um, that ability to, to, to move into that. So, uh, yeah, I hadn't actually thought of it like that. Um, but that's a very good, um, uh, a very good point. Presumably you, you think it does. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think for all those reasons, and because it takes... Basically, it takes the un- a universal theme of growing up, and you can put it in any circumstance, and that's mm-hmm. what it does so well. And you can use that theme of growing up to explore the circumstance. It's it's not unique to film. It's what coming of age literature pieces have been doing for years as well. Mm. But, and I think, yeah, no, that's why I asked it, and I I think. <laughs> I'd like to talk about it again with Ladybird because I think both of these films, do, the films we looked at, do very well and use mm. the drama very yeah, well absolutely. to explore the themes it wants to. Yeah. Um, listen, I, I, I kind of mentioned uh, Black Lives Matter at the beginning um, and how uh, sort of prominent that is currently in uh, in society. Um, Officer Coffey. Um, the the police officer, the black police officer, who sort of recurs uh, twice in the film. Uh, he is he he is a sick guy. He he might be the sickest of all of the guys who we have we have spoken about on this pod. Um, what did you think of his character and the and the fact that he was black and not white? Now. I th- I thought it was a very astute inclusion because mm. first of all I think yeah no I think the the idea the self hatred and that self our kind of self hating that self hatred in that you don't get as a white person really mm. it's not something that you experience unless you happen but in certainly it's because of how society is set up that self-hatred among minorities is 
regrettably very prevalent and mm. it kind his character fits so well into the theme of the overall set f- film I think the whole violence begetting yeah. violence mm. and it, the system begets <laughs> further systems it's I think it's a lot more effective to have a, a a black man in that role than a white person. It would have been effective. To, I think it, it would have been effective to have a white person in that role. But I think, yeah, I think I read that um, it was based off of I think an experience that John Singleton himself had had with a police officer. Um, I. Citation needed there. Um, the editor, uh, me, might correct myself. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it also, and again, this is, you know, how why the film is so good. It's very subtly kind of pointing at kind of, you know, here's the army and uh, Lawrence Fishman's character, Furious, we're not welcome there. And you're talking about the police and like you're clearly not really welcome there either. And it's these, you know, structurally, you know, these places of power, so to speak, you know, these these structures of society that are just like they're out to get you and there's really nothing you can do about it. Um, it I, I mean, Ice Cube at the end um, when he's talking about America um, and death as well, he you know this is a film that doesn't really pull any punches and it's not i didn't feel as though it was kind of this great grand dramatic you know monologue he's just kind of saying what we've been watching really uh over the past you know hour and sort of 45 minutes um and the fact that it's so understated and then he walks off and then the subtitle hits I think mm. is, you know, the, the really, again, in, incredibly sort of powerful, isn't it? And and as I say, you know, the film could be made today. It could be made potentially in ten years from now, and still very prevalent in nineteen ninety one. I think. So yeah, what do we talk do, about? Doughboy's character for a sec, actually. Mm-hmm. These, I read some someone on on the internet pointed pointed the direction of him being a tragic character and I I found that very interesting Mm -hmm. because his journey is is, like if you were to there are two I think if you were to boil the film down there are two characters that go on journeys in this film there are two characters that I think primarily obviously you've got Trey and then I think you've got Doughboy who is Really presented as the opposite to Trey. Yeah, yeah. Of what can happen if society is everything is rooting against you in society. Mm-hmm. Like at the beginning, he's got like, Doughboy has his mum telling him certain things like "you're a good for nothing layabout" compared to your brother. Mm. And this goes on, and and then he goes off to uh, juvie, obviously. Um, but then, by during the film, you learn that he's actually he's well he's quite a well-read character. He's quite it's more than just someone that lives in this life of crime in this violence begets violence cycle. Mm. He is he goes beyond that, but he still gets caught up in it to the point where his ex, his experience, I think when Ricky gets shot is the bit that kind of grounds you emotionally and really makes it hit. I don't know what you thought. Yeah, well, his mum blames him, doesn't he? She keeps saying, mm-hmm. this is your fault. And, like, it's it's not his fault. But then when he retaliates, he then becomes a part of it, doesn't he? And and I think that is, you know, and it, you you talk about the film being i think the film is a like it's a tragedy uh in mm. you know everybody is doomed to do 
what they do and like, there's no real getting away from it um apart from of course you know trey because um of the the you know the, the clearly very sort of strong father figure that he has in his life and i think um that's also obviously something that that john singleton kind of very much puts to the to the front of the film um that you know these these kids need a strong male presence in their lives um which is then really interestingly going back to angela bassett's character when she talks about mothers and she says you know mothers have been doing this you know long long before you and long after you basically um in terms of raising you know the boys and things like that um yeah i just think that it it kind of it it plays with the, the idea of, of sort of, um, you know, parents and what's needed and what's necessary um, very, very well. But I, I, I do think the film is a, it is a tragedy um, because, yeah, I, I kind of think from the very beginning, like there's nothing really that you can do about it um, due to all of the little tiny pieces of society that we gradually see. You know, it kind of is all pushing towards that denouement and and that ending. Um, so, yeah, if it is a tragedy, Callum, I am going to ask you this because I, I, I can answer very honestly. Did you cry much during this film? Um, yeah, uh, it got me. It got me at the end uh, again. Um, I remember very distinctly crying at the end of uh, the first time I watched it, and I definitely cried at the end this time. I think um, when Rick, especially after Ricky got shot, I think mean, they bring him back in, and that's kind of just that. Oh, you know, that wasn't the bit when that got me. It was the it was the bit at the end when mm. Ice Cube was saying like, um, you know, his time was called. Mine might not be too far away. I was like. Because you like the moment he knows, he said, he's, like, a, he he knows he's a dead know. man when he yeah like, so yeah he, yeah he commits to the cycle doesn't he mm. and he and and the, the the bit when Trey says like oh you've still got a, a brother in me oh yeah no right then as well I think genuinely a, a fantastic piece of cinema and I think as relevant now as it is it was when it came out. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I mean, here, listen, we're two uh, white liberal um, middle class guys in uh, in Bath, so it's not it. Well, I'm in anyway. Um, you know, we're never gonna experience anything even remotely close to what those those characters do. But the fact that it um, gives us that kind of glimpse into that life and the fact that both of us felt empathy for the character, I think is very important. And that is a take, which I will continue uh, in Ladybird, um, but I will, I will leave that there. Um, do you have any final thoughts before I ask you what your favorite character was? I think just, you know, Top quality film. Enjoyed it. To our listener, go and watch it. And mm, perhaps absolutely. listen to the NWA uh, uh, song that inspired it all. And I think it's a film that's still having, you know, still being in culturally impactful today. So I believe... Mm. Um, no. Might be wrong, but let me quickly Google it so I don't make a fool of myself. But I've been rightly informed that in 2012, Kendrick Lamar, who is a, uh, an American singer-songwriter of some sort, um, based his... Do you know who Kendrick Lamar is? Yeah, no, I, I do. I'm, I'm, I'm there. Oh, okay. I'm height. I'm heightening my my lack of knowledge as a, for humour's sake, and I, Sorry. I can see it's gone wrong. I know, yeah, it's gone <laughs> sailing past me. I thought no, you were I, just I think willed, his, like, yeah, genuinely. Uh, his 2012 album, uh, "Good Kid, Mad City," I believe, is a basically mm-hmm. a like like retelling of this story. 
yeah, um, that is a tremendous album. Um, any any final thoughts? Good. thoughts from you, Callum? Uh, no, I've I've said my piece. Um, favorite character? I will go first, um, and I will go with uh, the old guy who, um, uh, when uh, Furious is um, talking about house prices, he uh, <laughs> he comes over, and starts chatting with him. Uh, who was yours? Um. Oh. I can't. I want to go for a character based because we've we've spoken about Doughboy, we've spoken about Trey. We didn't really speak about Ricky, but you don't really need to because his his mm. role in the film is to be basically the emotional linchpin of for Cuba and Cuba's character and Ice Cube's. Mm-hmm. Um. Shout out to Brandy, who I thought was well acted <laughs> as well. And uh, obviously, yeah. Lawrence Fishburne. But I'm going to have to give it to Doughboy. I thought his, I really, really liked his character and I really liked his little arc. And yes. Uh, he's, he's the emotional heart of the film, I think. Mm, definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, Favourite scene um i am going to go for uh the opening scene uh in the classroom because it is a microcosm of the film and it is uh brilliant and it's even better in hindsight uh so i will go with that one uh look, well, i'm gonna go for the uh gonna have to go for the ending scene where it's the obvious choice, I think. But yeah, like the opening scene, it, I think it's worth mentioning that how well tied together this film is. The opening and the ending, and it all goes right back to the start, doesn't it? Mm, absolutely. Um, there we go then. Uh, a rating. Eight out of ten. Very reasonable. I'm going to go for uh, eight point three. Um, yeah, it's a it's a really really good film. Good, lovely, right? Um, Musical and... intermission. So, Ladybird. Um, this one's been on your radar for a while. <laughs> yeah, I've I've wanted to do this for um, uh, yeah, probably since the the very beginning. Um, Twenty seventeen, uh, Greta Gerwig's solo directorial debut, um, parallel with uh, John Singleton. Um, Saoirse Ronan plays Ladybird. Uh, and she is a uh, high school senior um, in Sacramento, California, and uh, we basically just see her. Uh, it's 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 between the period of her sort of trying to get into university, um, and then spoilers going uh, to university. Um, the majority <laughs> of the film is obviously her um, in her sort of hometown. Um, Mr. Fry, had you seen this film before? You know the answer. I hadn't. I... Okay. Um, what, what did you make of this film? So, so it just come off the back of me watching Boys in the Hood. Is the first time, yes. the first time. Which... <laughs> I don't know, maybe tainted my view of the film a little bit more? Because I thought... I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything for, you, for later, but I thought Boys in the Hood was, was much better. <laughs> okay. Maybe it's more hard to open thing. But no, I thought Lady Bird was... 
very yeah I liked it I did I did like it I like it was it did the it hit the same notes I think as Boys in the Hood for a coming of age drama it establishes quickly uh yep what makes this character immature which really mm. in, in in the Ladybirds uh, thing is this relationship with her mother and this wanting to yep. be known as as Ladybird rather than it, Christine, her birth name, naming herself Ladybird is her way of, you know, liberating herself from her mother's evil clutches. Uh, or so, mm-hmm. so she leads us to believe. And from there, the film hits the correct notes, taking taking us through basically a year of this girl's life, and. Lisa coming to terms with with her mother, and I think, yeah, no, it's uh, I'm still it's digesting. Okay, I think. Mm. Yes, I think it's my main um, takeaway. Is that there's a lot to think about with it. Yeah. Um. So, I uh, had seen this film before uh, a couple of times. Um. I fired this up immediately after watching Boys in the Hood and coming off the back of that ending. And I think the word you were looking for, it does feel a bit trivial after watching <laughs> that. Because it's kind of, here is this girl saying, like, you know, she's in the car and it's, like, it's kind of, here's how one side of America lives. Uh, you know, being, you know, oh, I want you to call me Lady Bird. And she's, you know, talking about, dresses and school and grades and things like that and here's the other one where these people are trying to you know literally just survive that is the only thing they're trying to do and so i kind of i i obviously i don't think that's the way you're supposed to be watching ladybird um but it (laughs) did give it a very interesting other dimension which i i'll be honest i had never thought of before in my previous watchings of this film um however the moment that she jumps out of the car uh this film it had me all over again i this film i love it so so much and i will try and uh, explain why um greta gerwig is uh, obviously writer and director and this is clearly a very very deeply personal project for her um and she's talked about how you know she has uh, she you know derived a lot of the uh, you know just general content for the film from kind of her experience of you know being a 17 year old girl um i think she was from sacramento as well although citation possibly needed there um i think the the whole film kind of revolves around the idea that the people who you love the most and are closest to are also the ones who can kind of hurt you and cut you with just like just a little sentence and it sometimes is not even a sentence um and that is, it shows, I think, perfectly, more than any other film that I've seen, that relationship between a mother and a daughter. Because that is essentially what the film is about. Yes, there are other characters, and yes, Lady Bird goes off and does other stuff, but it, it, it that is essentially what the film is about. Mm. Um, and... I love the fact that the film, it doesn't judge either of them, even though like both of them are clearly really flawed and they're clearly like fighting and niggling. And, you know, there's a couple of like biting little comments and they both do exactly the same thing, but they do clearly love each other. And they, you know, they just, they are different people at very different stages of their lives, but there is still that bond between them and the film sums that up just perfectly in a in a couple of different moments which which we will get on to um first of all though very important this film was set in 2002 um are you aware of who the dave matthews band are adam pry 
Um, mainly because of a house episode featuring Dave Matthews, but sure. <laughs> Tremendous. Are you aware of who Fish are? P H I S H. Yes. <laughs> I think so. Okay. I've heard of them. <laughs> Enlighten me. Um. Well, so this is just kind of something that I uh, completely bypassed me um, when I first watched this film. Um. The, the music in the background, it's, it's essentially entirely Dave Matthews, um, who I had kind of heard. I, I would consider myself to have like listened to quite a lot of albums and music and stuff. And I'd kind of like knew sort of who he was. But again, not really anything even remotely close to, you know, knowing exactly you know, all their songs and stuff like that. I, I get the sense that there are certain bands that just have never translated to the UK. Um, uh, who's... Oh, God. He, he goes by... Garth Brooks. Do you know who Garth Brooks is? Um, he sung at the inauguration, and that's how I've heard of him. Yeah, so I, I, he is the second best-selling... Yeah, it, no, go on. He, he's the second best-selling artist of all time. But no ever. Way. Well, ever, when I ever. first yeah, heard yeah. his name, I, I, I mistook him for the football... Um... Garth Crooks. <laughs> yeah, I, that's why. I... What's Garth Crooks doing at Joe Biden's inauguration? That's... God, I would have loved it if Garth Crooks had come out singing. Maybe maybe giving some analysis of Leeds' 3-1 win over Leicester whilst he's at it. Um... Oh, dear. Anyway, basically, the, the thing I, I want to say is that loads of the reviews... Um, talked about how like oh and dave matthews what a perfect soundtrack for this and i think that like just kind of in 2002 dave matthews was like the thing that everybody listened to and the same with fish and to a lesser extent garth and like i just don't think anybody's heard of any of these people in this country um and i was trying to think of kind of you know comparisons and of course i I'm unable to come up with any because you know, I'm not American and therefore, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to. But, I think um, it's going to be people, surely things like, I don't know, maybe Tom Jones, <laughs> Engelbert Humperdinck. No, I think Engelbert Humperdinck might be. Uh, what, we weren't listening to Engelbert Humperdinck in 2002, as far as I'm aware, <laughs> on the regular. Um, well, maybe Bullet for My Valentine. Well, God fucking hell. Um, They're from Wales. <laughs> yeah. They're not enormously good either. So anyway, listen, the, the point I'm making is that one of the things that this film apparently did brilliantly well was sum up kind of the music that they were listening to. And I just did not even recognise that. Like it didn't, not even remotely on my radar when I first watched this film. Um, and yeah, uh, so anyway... Go and listen. The Dave Matthews Band are perfectly fine. Like I, I think the word to describe them would be harmless. <laughs> I don't think there's anything else to say, really. Like, it's sort of okay. Um, but yeah, um, that was a wild sidetrack. That was bloody hell. Um, the film is also unbelievably funny. I laughed all the way through this film, as I have done for the past few times. Uh, did you find it funny? I found it amusing. I didn't laugh much. But I, I did find it okay. amusing. I, 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 I've... I think the word... Oh. Right. Well, I, so there's, there's a, a few moments that I've... Um, I, I will pick out. Um, the bit when she's talking to Danny initially... Um, and he says, like, oh, do you live around here? And she goes, oh, no, I'm from the wrong side of the tracks. It's just so good. Like, it's so funny the way she she says that line. And listen, credit has to go to Saoirse Ronan. It is an unbelievable performance. Um, it's so brilliant. Um, the other bit when she's talking to Danny and, and it's, it's after she's realised that he's gay. Um and they're talking about her mum, and uh, she's like, you can't be scary and warm. And they kind of go back and forth, and it's like, well, no, you, you can be. Your mum is. And then she's immediately, you're gay. And then 
there's suddenly a silence and it's just that, it's that kind of slightly cringy humor and then but, but the other thing as well is that again the film doesn't take the piss out of that like she says that and then 20 seconds later danny has broken down in her arms because he's finally coming to terms with his sexuality and it's just wonderful it's just lovely and I love it. I, I think the film is, is is so is really 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 funny, um, which of course leads us on. Um, and uh, listen, I will go back to um, uh, Sir Sharon and, and um, uh, Laurie Metcalf's performances. However, um, we must talk about uh, Timothy Chalamet very briefly. Uh, he is a bad guy. He is a, <laughs> he is a bad guy. But he has got some incredible lines. The bit when he says, um, oh, I'm trying to participate as little as I can in the economy. <laughs> Just <laughs> completely had me going. I I find this film just incredibly funny. I I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm, I'm the right audience. For I quite liked the, uh, the uh, people are dying in Iraq line. When... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Shirley Ronan's character, Lady Bird, is trying to be sad about having about him lying to her, and he's like, "Well, don't be sad about this. People are dying in Iraq." <laughs> it's just so good. Ah, oh, it's brilliant. Um, so yeah. Um, listen, the, I, I, I'm aware I've spoken for a lot. I'm going to go on for a little bit longer. Um. She's an incredibly sympathetic character, I think. Um, flaws and all. I think she could have been an incredibly annoying character. But she kind of isn't because I think her heart is inherently in the right place. And she kind of wants, obviously she wants what everybody wants, which is, you know, to be, you know, liked and to be in a, you know, I want to be where the... Um, what does she say at the very beginning? Um, I want to be where culture is. Um, and, you know, like when you're 17, I suppose that probably is what you want. Um, it's all like it's entirely straight faced. It, it, the film never sneers at anything she says. Like it's 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 all done entirely like, you know, this is kind of what she's saying. And it allows you to laugh at her. Like, you know, she is very funny, not deliberately. But she really is. And I think that is testament to the writing and directing and the acting. Um, and, you know, I said at the very beginning that this film is about a relationship between a mother and a daughter. The scene where she's picking the prom dress and the, the kind of the really quiet kind of back and forth, it's not done entirely through words it's done through like little looks little glances body language yeah. and it's just it kind of it really picks apart that relationship without doing anything really it it's just i that scene is spoilers that's my favorite scene of of this film and oh, i just i think it's so wonderfully done and it's so touching and and tender and but it's also it shows like how pointed like criticism from a mother can be because you know i'm almost certain that laurie metcalf's character she was of course she was exactly the same when she was 17 but she grew up and she's older and she's lived her life and you know she is trying to kind of instill all of that sort of knowledge, sort of wisdom into Ladybird, who just doesn't want it. And I kind of think the characters, as I say, aren't judged, other than obviously Timothy Chalamet's character, who is a bad guy. Um, it's kind of just saying, like, yeah, you've got to go through this. Like, you've got to kind of live your life, and you're going to go through these kind of these first, these, you know, the first kiss, the first love, the first, you know, getting into school and stuff. And like, yeah, it's gonna hurt. And like, it's not going to be good. Like, it's not gonna be fun, really. But there are kind of moments in it that are, are brilliant. And again, I don't think any better than when um, she goes over to 
Julie, played by Beanie Feldstein, wonderfully played by Beanie Feldstein. Uh, and she, you know, it's, it's after um, she kind of obviously breaks it off with, uh, with Kyle and uh, Jenna as well. And they sit around in their prom dresses and laugh and eat ice cream. And it's just so warm and and touching. It shows that that kind of friendship is just like that. Like the friendship when you're seventeen, like the idea that kind of you know we'll be friends forever. Like again, the film doesn't make fun of that. It doesn't go. It doesn't sniff at that. It doesn't go off. Oh. But of course, they they're not going to be. It's like yeah, you're you're probably not going to be. But at the moment, listen, man. Like yeah, it kind of is. Um. I, oh, I just love this film. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. I, I can I can go on and we'll go on for ages. I've spent like ten minutes just rambling. Somebody stop me, uh, Mister Fry. Are you there? Well, uh, one thing I thought about the film was <sighs> it was the same thing I noticed with Boys in the Hood, but I actually think it was more prevalent here. It was how real it felt. So, yeah, there was just mm. the lives of the characters were moving on around them. Um, it's it's pretty, you know. You had the news going on in the background. You had well, our main character wasn't in the leading role in a musical. Uh, didn't get everything she wanted. Like the dad had depression. Just little things like that, I thought, were... Oh, oh the bit when... Um, oh, I can't remember the girl's name. Um, the friend that she she kind of replaced uh, Julie with. Jenna, is it? Jenna. And mm-hmm. um, when, when uh, Lady Bird, or Christine, as we should call her, um, says, you know, oh, can you forgive me for lying to you? And she's, Jenny just says, yeah, I guess. Life gonna, she's going to still be dating Kyle. I'm like, well, there you go. <laughs> I just think it was... It was a very real film. And I thought... And it was in the same way that uh, Boys in the Hood did it. And I think this film did it in, in a similar way. It didn't put those themes in our face. Like, obviously, you know... Sex came up, and um, uh, the economy, and depression, and mental health, and you know, just fitting in. And these things weren't shoved in your mm. face, I don't think. But you know, be- using the coming of age genre, I think this film was able to explore them in uh, in a, what I would say is a unique way. Yes. Um, I will finish the point I started um, about empathy, um, which is the reason both of these films, I think, are so good is because, listen, I will never be a 17-year-old white girl in Sacramento, California, uh, nor will I ever be a 17-year-old black kid in Central California. But both of these films allow me to empathise with two characters who I have nothing in common with at all. And I think that is why I love it so much, that ability to empathise with these characters. You know, like, I've, I've not experienced anything that is similar between either of those two characters, neither Ladybird nor Trey or Doughboy or whatever. But I can, I, the, the characters are incredibly believable and you're, you're kind of rooting for them all the way through. And, and as I say, it's that ability to empathise with them that, that makes, you know, engages you for, for both, you know, the, the length of the films. Um, yeah, I, really 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 like this these two films um i think they're excellent um um i think you know i think 
the thing that then fears it's it's such an important such an important part of filmmaking i think and you know any film without empathy isn't gonna it's not gonna grip you in the same way as it's why we found find films like we did ferris bueller's day off and mean girls it's why we empathy is why we found those films funny and it's it's why you know why we root root for the main characters in um, other films because you can empathise with that at least their goal or at least what they want to do be that saving the world or you know having a rad day out in 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 Chicago. But um, I think it's it's more important f- for the coming of age genre, and I think. It's why I really like coming-of-age films, because you can put them on, and I don't think anyone's going to dislike them if you put them on. The sort of film everyone can relate to and everyone can enjoy, because everybody has felt something similar to those emotions. Everybody's grown up. So you've, you've felt frustrated at power before, and I think both these films deal with that, that quite well. They... Yeah. I, I would kind of go against that slightly, just in the sense that, because I said in the wrong hands that, like, this, you know, Ladybird could have been an incredibly annoying character, and it could have been very twee in kind of what it was trying to say. Listen, I'm not sure that Boys in the Hood could have ever been twee, but (laughs) I certainly think that Ladybird could have been. Um, And that is why, you know, I, I think... I mean, how many... Well, Greta Gerwig has only done... Is it three films? Um, I think. Yes. Um, she also did Little Women, um, which I... Have you seen Little Women? Not yet. Oh, it's been on my list. Been on my list. There we go. It's still on the list. Um, and what was the other one that she did? I apologise, I can't... It was Nights and Weekends, which was co-directed with uh, Joe Swanberg. Okay. Um, I've not seen that one. Um, but I have seen Lady Bird and obviously I have seen Little Women and I am really excited to see what she does next. Um, mm. I think she is a fantastic director and it really shines through in certainly both of those two films. Um, and listen, if she's going to direct Sir Ronan again, that's fine by me. Um, yeah. Um, do you have any other kind of thoughts? I, I, I'm aware that I have basically just kind of rambled on about how much. Well, we, I think we both knew that was going to happen with with yes. Ladybird. Yeah. Um, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as you, but I'm I'm interested to know if that's because I've only experienced it in the way you experienced it for the first time, and I don't think many other people will ever experience it having just watched Boys in the Hood. Yeah, I I think that certainly would have I mean, it definitely coloured it. I think um, for certainly the first sort of ten minutes because that film was you know Boys and Hope was still with me, um, and no matter how much Dave Matthews uh, they played it was still there. Mm. Um, but I think both the films though I like. Are both fantastic examples of how to use the coming of age genre to get across themes and yeah absolutely. ideas, and I'd be interested to see and look at some films that might do it badly at some point because that's the thing that's that's why I've been enjoying doing this podcast is what you you said a few weeks ago it's interesting to see why we enjoy films because neither of us are film experts by any means, mm. and I think. In our in our attempt to find out why we enjoy films personally, and hopefully, in 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 looking at why we enjoy films personally, we might be able to, you know, bring forth some thoughts about why people enjoy films overall, not just us. And I think it might be interesting to take a look at some less good coming of age films at some point mm. to see, because um, we we've we've looked at two bangers today. Indeed. <laughs> Um, do you, can you think of any off the, the tip of your tongue? One that I haven't seen, um, is Richard Linklater's Boyhood. Um, oh, yeah. which was shot over, 
what uh, you know 20 years or whatever mm. um i have less than no interest in watching that film i think it will be fucking awful and i think i will hate it um and i can't quite put my finger on why i just think the whole that really could be very twee nonsense to be honest well i think um, there's lots of good examples of this thing i think you know, you got you can go to films like Karate Kid, <laughs> to The Lion King, to you know. Well, The Lion King's quite good, isn't it? It's not as good mm. as he thinks it is, but it's yeah. Good. But uh, to things like, do you see Moonrise Kingdom? Oh, I love Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah, yeah I thought you would. Uh, <laughs> um, even something like um, Hunt for the Wilder People, the yes. Taika Waititi film. I think is it is. I think there are just yeah. so many. It's, it's it's basic children coming to rise with coming to you know terms with adulthood. Yes, and generally dealing with something for the first time, whether that be you know grief or love or mm. you know anger um, or suffering or whatever. And they've got to cu- overcome something as well. And I think in. Mm. And there's something simple, sim, something to overcome. And in in Boys in the Hood, it was you know a tray escaping that yeah. that uh, circle of violence where Do- the Doughboy fell into. And in in uh, Ladybird, it's the probably more universal feeling of coming to terms with your own mother. Indeed, yeah. Um, I, I think as well. Um, and this has only just occurred to me stupidly because it should have occurred to me immediately, but. The fact that they have to go through these things means that there's basically character development already embedded in the film. Like they don't mm. even have to do any character development because that's kind of what the plot's doing as well. Um, I have a, a, a list here um, of uh, some of the. This is described as the 50 greatest coming of age movies. No, we don't um, want to watch those. <laughs> IMDb. Listen, I'm not going to go through all of them, but the first one is The Breakfast Club, and the second and the third one is Pretty in Pink. So um, obviously. Um, uh, you know any any John Hughes film? Oh no, hang on. Pretty in Pink wasn't John Hughes. Which one was John Hughes? Was Stand by Me John Hughes? Things aren't loading. Sixteen Candles was John Hughes. Listen, we're now just naming films off of the IMDb chart, which is not what anybody wants to listen to. Um, in conclusion, I love this film. I love all of the characters. I love the directing i love the writing i love the acting i love the jokes i just love it what is your favorite character in this film um let's go with a coach that had to direct the drama club oh yeah yeah that is good actually um I will go with um, the guy who previously had to do the drama club. Is it Father... Um, oh, Father the Levy? guy from Human. Um, Devs. Leviage. Yes, he is the guy from Devs. I was wondering where he's from. Um, he doesn't quote quite as much concerning poetry in this one um, as he does in Devs. Um, but it is... Yeah, he's he's really good. Um, but obviously also my favourite character is Lady Bird. But there we are. Um, actually, it might be, oh, might be the mum, Marion. Who could possibly say? I, all of them are my favourite characters. Um, favourite scene? There's the scene where she loses her virginity to, to, to Kyle and he makes that offhand remark about Iraq, which I just, I did lose it and I thought that was, that was fantastic and very well done and I know what you're going to say. So go on and say it, Callum, in the final sum up and over to this film as you go. Listen, my favourite, my favourite uh, scene was when she um, jumps out of the car at the very beginning. I It's just... <laughs> so funny it's just and the entire lead up to that as well is oh i could i could watch that little 
three minute scene over and over and over again and i would still find tiny little things that i i love about it the way that they like talk over each other and they you know they make really cutting remarks just completely like off the cuff and things and you know some of the things she said you know that's where she says you know i want to be where the culture is i want to be where writers are somewhere in new hampshire um (laughs) it's just so good it's so good and a rating i am going to give it 9.1 i love this film i am i'm gonna give it a seven i think i really enjoyed it yeah seven out of ten well there we go hey listen um technical difficulties aside which obviously the dear listener will not have heard mm. um, what, a, what an episode yeah what very much uh, so uh, join us next week uh, we're going to be watching Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and Paddington oh. 2 that's another film that I'll be uh, waxing lyrical about yeah we're going to um, have to I'm going to have to hit a Chuck some bad films into this list, aren't I, again? Yeah. Paddington 2 might be my favourite film ever, mate, as well. <laughs> okay. I've never no, seen I, I it. Say I've that. never seen I it. I say that with an entirely straight face. I think it genuinely might be my favourite oh, film. Oh, actually, ever. you don't need to worry about that. Um, we have got the next film we're going to be... Next week, we're, the week after, we're going to be doing The Ten Commandments and Exodus, Gods and Kings. Fucking hell. <laughs> that really is going to be a slog. Um, God, I wonder what would be more boring, the films or the podcast. Um, anyway. It'll be interesting to talk about epics. It will be. Um, good. Um, uh, so uh, if you want to uh, ever listen to our podcast, maybe subscribe on your favourite podcast listening service. Um, it probably helps service, us out. I believe yeah. is what it is. Uh, or follow us on Twitter at Fry Your Greens or... You know, if you're listening, let us know. It would be nice to know what you think of it. (laughs) Maybe, if you've got this far, maybe we should say that at the beginning. (laughs) Probably. God, yeah, maybe. I don't think anybody's listening to begin with, to be honest, so I don't think... If you've got this far, well done. You must have really enjoyed our takes on Boys in the Hood and uh, (laughs) and Lady Bird. And my my take on Lady Bird while Adam sits and has to listen to me. Oh, just... Anyway, I've said my piece. Piece is. Well, it's... uh, I guess it's a goodbye from... uh, Goodbye from Callum. And it's a goodbye from Mr. Fry. Goodbye. Bye.